politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And yes, welcome back to the No Distraction, No Soap Opera CR podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back here today for Wednesday, August the 3rd. And when you're in your fight for your life, your liberty, your property, for humanity to remain human and free, there truly is no time for distraction. And we need those who are focused on the issues that matter and the way they matter at the time they matter. This is your place if you want to find my articles, conservativereview.com, theblaze.com. You could find uh, my columns, either of those websites. Uh, my Telegram channel, of course, is C19 Truth Bombs. I'm on Getter, Daniel underscore Horowitz. And of course, you could email me at startmail, um, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com. Okay, so folks, we are in for the fight of our life. I think those of you who have listened to the show the last number of weeks, you understand that even the talk of inflation and recession, which certainly is important, is really one of the many symptoms, but actually the least severe symptom of what we're truly up against. And that is this Orwellian government that makes 1984 look like nothing, a global government where you can't escape it. It's in every Western country public-private partnership so you can't leverage the private sector against it, using technology we could have never envisioned to track, trace, surveil you so that they could eventually control your life, body, property, mind, and soul, uh, likely. The digital authoritarianism, the key to fighting tyranny, medical tyranny, the carbon tyranny, right? I mean, everything they want to do to medicine, food, fuel, track your movements, control your movements, limit your movements, limit your productivity as an individual, as a business. The whole ESG program, the whole Great Reset 2030 agenda, it cannot be done without a surveillance state. And that's why the key to fighting it is the surveillance state. So today we're going to have a new guest on who's been tracking the digital authoritarianism for quite a while. He has a terrific column out. We'll get to him in a few minutes. Um, but as a lead-up to this, I want to talk a little bit about Taiwan and China because it really does tie in to what we're talking about. Obviously, we had elections last night in a couple of states. There's a lot to sift through. We'll probably get to that more tomorrow, uh, partly because the results in Arizona take forever to come in, which just demonstrates the problem with our elections are insane. Um, Kerry Lake did win, surprisingly not by as much of a margin as I thought, which just demonstrates how hard it is to beat the establishment, even when you do have Trump's support. But Taiwan, okay, so there's, as always, a lot of conservative media and most elected Republicans are off the mark. They're like wind-up toys from the 1980s that you wind them up and you put them down, you know, you could take them off the ground and put them back down and they'll make the same movements. Or if it's one of these uh, audio wind-up toys, they'll have the same message now and in 50 years from now. Now, I am naturally someone who is hawkish, whatever that term even means, and certainly against China. So on the surface, people would say, well, Daniel, you know, okay, I understand you say Ukraine is part of the enemy, part of the World Economic Forum agenda, it's a distraction from China, even. It depletes our resources. It's, it was a stupid engagement. You're right. But come on, here, you know, Taiwan is worth defending. That is a real ally. And certainly, it's the consummate fight against our number one enemy that really is an enemy, not a distraction. Isn't it worth uh, fighting them? And shouldn't we be all defending Nancy Pelosi as all these Republican senators are with this bizarre fake fight between Biden and Pelosi, where you have conservative talk radio and all these Republican senators uh, defending Pelosi and saying, look, we don't like her, but man, she's really uh, has a lot of guts on this issue. And let me stipulate, I have no problem praising a Democrat for, the, for one act, just like I constantly bash Republicans because I'm an independent conservative. I'm not a party person. And someone who truly puts it on the line for one issue consistently in an intrepid way, I have no problem praising them if they're consistently good on that issue. But as you well know, Pelosi is not good on this issue. 
she and her party are completely bought out and literally in bed with China. So what's this all about? It's all a political stunt, a last-ditch effort to save the House from the Democrats and show that she's tough on China. But the reality is, it's meaningless. Because the battle against China is not Taiwan. It's in our own homeland, in our own economy, our own culture, our own universities, our own technology, our own corporations. In other words, two things have changed since the 1990s when I would have been all guns a-blazing with Taiwan. And still, idealistically, I support defending them from China, and I support their independence idealistically. But two things have changed. One, we have sat back and have watched for an entire generation as we have gutted our military, which is woke and broke. We've gutted it culturally. We've gutted it technologically. We have depleted our resources $6 trillion worth on 20 years of nation building. So it's exhausted. While China sat there pretty, really engaged in nothing, didn't deplete anything for 20 years while we were depleting ourselves, improving their their aircraft carriers, their uh, land-to-air-based missiles, their control of the oceans, of the straits there, South China Sea. Gone are the days where in the 90s where we had the last big flare-up with Taiwan when we were able to march our ships right into the straits knowing that we were stronger than they were. They were much weaker back then. Now they're much stronger and we're much weaker than we were back then. The problem with so many of these conservatives is if you ask them, is our government woke and broke, they'll say yes. Is our, med- is our military woke and broke? They'll say yes. But then when it comes to foreign policy, they act as if this is the 80s and 90s. It's not. It's sad. And it sounds unpatriotic, but it's the reality that our government and our country and our, and our military are nothing but maggot-infested carcasses. We would not win a war with China, a kinetic war at this point, especially on their own doorstep. I, I, you could call me any name in the book, but the reality is, unlike other conservative hosts that say, oh, the Democrats are destroying America— I actually believe that. They have destroyed it. So they destroyed our military. So we don't have that ability to do it. I'm just being prudent. That's a reality. That's number one. Number two is that's no longer the fault line in the fight against China. Like, man, you got to defend Taiwan, you know, because they're going to advance against us. They already have taken our homeland through unfettered immigration and visas, through unfettered H-1B and handing our tech to China, the trade theft, okay? Even culturally, all these like goofy queer trends, you know, they have kids yelping this baby shark stuff, but it's not just that. If you look carefully, a lot of this goofy stuff that just rots out our brains has come from China and they smartly uh, engage in that with a PSYOP. They control our mind. They control, I mean, I don't even know how you'd go to war with China because they would literally be able to monitor everything our military is doing. They have spies everywhere and their technology is everywhere. They have the 5G. So until and unless you engage in battle on that front, the, the Taiwan war is meaningless, nor could we win it anyway. So Pelosi is one big stunt because she sold us out, continues to sell us out, I mean, literally, one of her members, Swalwell, is literally in bed with a Chinese spy and is still on the Permanent Select Committee on Intel and Homeland Security. And yet, you want to tell me she's now tough on China? Give me a break. I would give her props for that if she were really tough on that issue. She's not. Because the issue is not kinetically defending Taiwan. The issue is our own economy, our own culture, our own technology, our own corporations, our own jobs. Until America is American and not made in China, we can't defend another country. So yes, my view is even when you have a, a legitimate enemy and a legitimate good player, unlike Russia and Ukraine, 
I'm sorry, I'm going to oppose provocation because we're not in position to do it. I mean, did we focus on foreign policy in 1862? No, we had our own civil war. It's like when Russia dropped out of the World War I during the Bolshevik Revolution because internally they, they couldn't fight externally, right? That's where we are now. We have our own Bolshevik Revolution. And in fact, it's not going on. It already happened. We have to engage in our own revolution to undo it. America is not America. America is a vassal, a client state of China. In other words, I'm not ideologically opposed to Taiwan sovereignty and defending them. In fact, idealistically, ideally, I, I support it. I always have. But the, but the biggest difference that these people don't understand is they say, oh, our government is corrupt. But then when it comes to foreign policy, they, they go back to their kind of 1980s. Like, I wish we could do that. I'm sorry. We don't have that luxury. So we'll elaborate that on, on that in the coming days. But I just wanted you guys to realize that what Pelosi is doing is the worst possible thing. Because we're weak on every other front internally on China, but you're provoking them. Kind of like what we did on Russia. If you want to be strong, be strong. But don't fight them from a weakened position. China doesn't have to go to war with us. And certainly not with a proxy through Taiwan to beat us. They've already beat us. The GOP senators want to mark up a bill sending billions to Taiwan. Again, I actually like Taiwan, unlike Ukraine. But that, that's not where it's at. Their solution on foreign policy, just like domestic policy, is to throw more money at the problem. The solution is to build up our supply chains, build up our sovereignty, build up our independence. Stop Chinese immigration. 360000 a year to our colleges and universities. That's how they engage in their trade theft. And totally, totally taking over universities. Make our military manly again. And then, and then come back to me about defending Taiwan. And I'm all for it. But it's a sad reality. Damn, Daniel, are you telling me we're at the point where we can't defend our allies? Dude, we can't defend our own bodies here in America. Like... Oh, spend billions on Taiwan. What about billions on compensating for vaccine injury? And yet these same conservative talk shows will never even talk about that. And again, th in this case, I'm not opposed ideologically like I am with Ukraine, where they're downright helping the Communist World Economic Forum. No, this would be a fight for China. But it's fighting the wrong battle at the wrong time in the weakened position that we frankly can't win because we failed to do this. See, this is the big difference between me and other conservatives. I mean, I, I've been advocating various things for 20 years. And one of them was, was a, I always thought we should have been stronger on Taiwan. But that was then. Because we didn't do it, because the conservatives didn't listen to us, much less the Republicans, much less the body politic, and we are where we are, you have to update your, your strategic thinking based on the world we live in. I'm sorry. That just speaks to our failures until now. But it's, it's just funny how all these Republicans and conservatives want to barrel into fights overseas, but they never want to barrel into a fight domestically. Now, while I'm the only one who gives you a 2020 vision on conservative politics, I also want to offer you 2020 vision with your eyesight. Better Spectacles, America's only conservative eyewear company. They're offering authentic German Rodenstock eyewear, the gold standard of eyewear, in the U.S. for the first time. Um, my son just got his pair. My wife and I got ours, and we are absolutely just loving it. Why? Because your ability to function, if you're nearsighted, relies on your eyeglasses, right, to work synergistically with your brain. That's what their biometric intelligence glasses, or BIG, does. Um, they give you that seamless natural experience uh, that gives you the sharpest vision all uh, distances, unlike what Pfizer's putting out, their stuff is actually rooted in science, giving you better near and intermediate uh, distant uh, eyesight, as well as perfect fit with their frames. So go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative to schedule a teleoptical appointment today. You don't even have to leave your home. 
Don't settle with your eyesight. Go big with biometrical intelligence glasses from Better Spectacles. If you go to betterspectacles.com slash conservative, they're offering an introductory 61% off their progressive eyewear plus free handcrafted rodentstock frames. Don't go with ideological progressive companies for your eyewear, which you probably are. Go with real technological progressive eyewear from Better Spectacles today. So getting back to Taiwan and how it ties into our next guest, we talk about two reasons why we are just not in position to fight China. Number one, we're literally physically not in the position given what has happened to our military. And number two, the battle is right here at home because they own our technology. They own everything. But there's a number three that ties into that. And that is our government has become like China. You see, all foreign affairs, even if you believe that a certain um, engagement proxy war is prudent and is dictated favorably by the facts on the ground, it's all predicated on the fact that our government is a source of good. And, you know, we want to spread that good to other nations or defend our prerogatives elsewhere. The problem is, the virus was made in China, but it turned us into China. And it's not just medical issues, but everything. We have learned how to control people by track and trace and surveil. And as we bring on our guest, I want to just read something to you to open your minds if they're not already open to the scope of this issue. We've certainly seen it with COVID. Um, but now we're seeing with ESG and the whole carbon issue, the nitrogen issue. We know they want to get rid of food. They want to get rid of fuel. They want to get rid of medicine that works and then foist upon us things that don't work. How do you do that? How do you accomplish that full tyranny on our life, liberty, property, and now literally our bodies, soul, and mind, and who knows what else you listen to the World Economic Forum people and what they have planned for us? Well, that all starts with surveillance, okay? If you cannot surveil us if you can't track and trace us it's very hard to control us there's an article in nature it was published just about a year ago titled personal carbon allowances revisited we argue that recent advances in ai artificial intelligence for sustainable development together with the need for a low carbon recovery from the covid19 crisis open a new window of opportunities for pcas again personal carbon allowances the policy aims to link personal action and global carbon reduction goals. A PCA scheme would entail all adults receiving an equal, tradable carbon allowance that reduces over time in line with national targets. In its original design, the allowance could cover around 40% of energy-related carbon emissions in high-income countries, encompassing individuals' carbon emissions related to travel, space heating, water heating, and electricity. Allowances were envisioned to be deducted from the personal budget with every payment for transport fuel, home heating fuels, and electricity bills. And notice, we, we all know they're doing this. I mean, I, I don't think this is news to you. But in order to implement something like that, which we know they want to do, and by the way, this is really what this Build Back Better bill that uh, the Senate plans to pass this week is all about, and Republicans enabled it, by the way. It's not just it taxes too much, it spends too much. That's the least of the problems. It enables, see, when you go and you tamp down fossil fuels, and then you go and fund hundreds of billions for green en energy, what do you think it's for? It's not just your grandfather's pay-for-plague scheme. That's bad enough. It's not just the spending, the taxing. It's to create the infrastructure that they can then come in for the kill shot, with basically doing what they did to oil refineries with the RINs credits for ethanol, if you remember that, they're going to do it on a personal level for individuals. How do they implement that? Well, that's where AI comes into play and this digital authoritarianism. Now, someone who has been studying this since before I was born and engaging in the fight for freedom since before I was born is our next guest, John Whitehead. He's a constitutional attorney, founder and president of the Rutherford Institute. Check out some of their stuff at rutherford.org. Um, he's written a ton of books. The most recent is best-selling Battlefield America, The War on the American People. John, thanks so much for joining us today the first time on Blaze Media. 
Well, you truly do have an impressive background. Again, fighting a lot longer than I have been around uh, for individual freedom. But obviously, March 2020 was a watershed event. Um, discuss a little bit how COVID fascism has enabled and almost groomed people into this new idea of digital technology controlling every aspect of our life. Well, uh, I've never seen, let's see, I'm, uh, I've been fighting this battle for 40 years, suing in and out of Washington, D.C., uh, as a constitutional lawyer, uh, and watching the country develop. I have never seen the country in such a bad uh, state of affairs, especially culturally and mentally. Um, there are different phases of society when they start breaking down, and one is called disassociation which means people start fearing each other and start backing away from each other and the things that we're seeing. And I'm seeing communities dissolve now because people were scared to death. They were locking themselves in their homes. Um, Bill Gates says, what do we need education for? We can do virtual education. And everything was being pushed to go virtual. And so uh, basically everything's to be trusted uh, technology-wise, but don't trust people or anything like that. So with the coming of artificial intelligence, and people have to understand this, again, my book, Battlefield America, goes into it, and we do it on our website a lot, is um, Eric Schmidt, you know, the head of Google at one time, said by 2029, they expected artificial intelligence to fuse with the human mind. Now you have uh, Facebook moving to the meta so-called verse, uh, where you won't even be able to know basically uh, whether you're seeing real things or not anymore. And the thing here is that through the public education system and through our media, we've been sold this idea that staring at a screen device will educate you, will save you, and um, you know will move you forward in life. But we're not seeing any of that. That's just a big lie. When you have the average American watching 150 hours of screen devices a month now, we are a culture that's breaking down totally. We're not human beings anymore. We don't relate to each other as human beings anymore. And that's exactly what this doctrine of singularity that I just talked about a minute ago, AI will infuse uh, itself into people. Uh, and we're seeing that. That has developed. I mean, Elon Musk has his neural link now, which can be insert it in your brain, and you'll immediately go into your computer. Uh, that is moving forward at a rapid speed. So AI, by the way, in my opinion, has basically been taking over for a long time, and there were some great thinkers of the past that were warning us of that. Science fiction writers, writers on media saying, here it comes, watch out, don't fall for this stuff, be people, be human beings. And so that's what we're facing right now is um, waking up. And I keep telling people the, the key here to being free today is awareness. Awareness will mm. create freedom. In other words, you have to do, you have to get educated. Education precedes action. And let me tell you something. If there's ever been a time when we need action in this country and around the world, it is now. And yep. study what who your so-called government leaders are, by the way. We owe $30 trillion in debt. Our two biggest <laughs> debtors are China and Japan. Think about that for a second. China, well, who Google, by the way, Eric Smith admitted, they worked with him on their social credit scores. Well, I saw when I heard him say that way back, about 10 years ago, I said, oh, no, it's, it's going to come to America. We have it, folks. AI is taking people off of Facebook um, they're being called by the police as the police are reading uh, all your information on your Facebook pages now, basically. Uh, they have a Shadow Dragon app uh, now that will, um, and they work with Amazon uh, and other large corporations in tracking everything you do when you print anything, you write a text message, an email, or whatever. And the key here, and people have to understand this, is Everything, virtually everything you're doing right now uh, is being consumed by the system, the AI system. It's put in a file, and you're being watched. America right now has 85 million cameras 
spread across the country, surveillance cameras. Second to what country do you think? China. Of course. (laughs) And uh, now with this new emotion AI, they're watching your facial expressions and stuff like that. I had some people that were in China about eight or nine years ago, and they said they were shocked. They were eating at restaurants, sitting outside, that the police cars would pull up, jump out real quick, grab a guy or a woman off the street, pull them into the police car and drive off. And everybody sitting in the restaurant would look away from it and would watch it. They were being tracked, see, the social credit scores, where you can't get on a train, you can't buy food or stuff like that if the Chinese government says you can't. That's exactly where we're headed. Now with this new digital currency, uh, they want to know everything. They don't like cash. They don't even like basically whatever. They want to watch everything you're doing. So that's where we're headed. So what we call Big Brother, Orwell, all that, as he predicted, um, it is here. But with technology that was that was just more spectacular than what he predicted. Exactly. He, you know, he saw part of it coming with the screen devices. But the fact that uh, the government now, uh, with uh, Alexa speakers, can listen to you uh, as you're doing anything in your home. Your cell phone, by the way, the FBI had admitted it, basically, that they turn your cell phone off from a distance listen to everything you're doing in your home, becomes a microphone, even when you've turned it off, and your laptop becomes a camera for them. Uh, now the TV sets, the smart television sets, record everything and can report it to the government. So we've moved, and we're only uh, only a few years away. Again, most of the children today I see uh, are loving it. They love being connected to the system, the AI yes. system. They're addicted to it. They want to do their Instagram. They want to do this and that. And they can just be totally crushed if someone defriends them. Or In other words, as as you're talking, I'm thinking how brilliant the whole Zoom universe was with the COVID shutdown. Yes. Because it not only enabled, meaning the, the, the fact that they had the technology pre-prepared enabled the shutdown – but it also then did both. It, it, it was enabled by the past, but it groomed for the future. So then you have an entire generation now that thinks this is great because they gradually get sucked into the good parts of it. Yeah, you could communicate. Some of the technology is truly cool. You could do some cool things with it, all the while not realizing that, wait a minute, what, what did we see? We saw drones flying around. A lot of us even forgot this. It yeah. was so crazy in New York City yelling at people to stay away from each other. Remember that? Yeah. You know, and then you had – we now know government worked with private corrupt entities to access cell phone data to literally see how often people were going to church or you know obeying the stay-at-home orders. They literally had all that. Obviously, the track and trace um, – so where is this headed? Where get, open our eyes a little bit and I want to also just plug um what opened my eyes to your work is your column recently you could go to rutherford.org digital authoritarianism ai surveillance signals the death of privacy. And that's it, the death of privacy. What makes us human beings? Privacy. And here's the key now. Like I said awareness creates freedom, but how are you going to know what freedom is? If they don't teach the Bill of Rights in the public schools anymore, and I talk to people all the time. I talk to lawyers who can't tell me what's in the Bill of Rights. And you realize the Bill of Rights is only 462 words. We don't read it anymore. We don't study it. They don't study the Declaration of Independence because what's the Declaration of Independence say in the preamble? We can take the government and throw it away if we think it's wrong. They don't want yep. you believing in any of that. The key here, like with the Fourth Amendment, you know, and I talk to people about this all the time, you have a you have a reasonable expectation of privacy under the Fourth Amendment. The government shouldn't be doing any kind of surveillance on you, you know, unless they have a, a reason to, which would be you a probable exactly, cause, right? You maybe come well. In. That's why I was going to ask you, government. If government doesn't have probable cause, they can't do search and seizure. So how is it doing that it. without probable cause you committed a crime? They could constantly monitor, surveil, record every last thing you're doing all day. They do it. And, uh, you know, once they say, if you have nothing to hide, what are you worried about? But that's, you know, that's here's <laughs> the point. Uh, the people who wrote the Constitution said we need, a, we need to keep the government out of our private affairs. This is a country that has private property. 
And again, that's being challenged a lot, by the way, the idea that you have private property. Because in most places, you can't even get your copy of your deed anymore. The government keeps the deed. You might get a, a copy of it, but they will not give you the deed. If you make the wrong mistake on your taxes, they can come get your property. And if people don't uh, believe that, go to where uh, we've written about on our website, Rutherford.org, on asset forfeiture. The police are taking all kinds of money out of cars and homes and stuff like that. And all they have to do is accuse you of a crime, and people can't get it back. But the point is, is that and again, the media is not telling you this, folks. And I know um, uh, people listening to this program, a lot of people watch a lot of the uh, so-called mainstream news shows. Are they telling you folks that there are 80, over 80,000 SWAT team raids occurring annually in America now? And a lot of times people, in cases we've been involved at the Rutherford Institute, we do quite a few cases, uh, people say, why were the police so agitated when they came to my door? Well, did you know, folks, that the Department of Homeland Security does threat assessments on American homes. They go from green to red. If you've committed a crime, it bumps up maybe to purple. If you have a weapon, by the way, you are red. And that's why when police come to the door a lot of times, they're agitated. They know this guy's got, he's got a rifle in there somewhere or whatever. And you have these people getting shot, like Jose Guerrero several years ago, a decorated Marine in his home in Arizona. Police are doing a SWAT team raid of the area, his home, in their little shop, uh, place where the, you know, the people live in their community, and uh, they're crashing through doors. Well, they crash through his door in the middle of the night. He's a decorated uh, veteran. He grabs his only rifle he has, puts his child and his wife behind him in the closet and stands at the end of his hallway with the only thing he has is one weapon, a hunting rifle. The police enter and shoot him over 70 times. Guess what? No marijuana was found in his home. And here's the thing. This is happening across America. It's not being reported uh, because the police now have all your information, folks. Even local police have it. They work with the FBI, and the FBI... Uh, has all kinds of tools. The FBI in some big cities, by the way, have their own desk and the police stations and work with the police and watch everything you're doing and trying to do predictive policing, by the way. That's where it's headed. They want to predict something before it happens all the time. And that's one reason, by the way, and my week, this week's column is uh, dealing with uh, genetics, what we're seeing with genetics, and you need to read it and study it, folks. They're, uh, got, they're, they're studying everything about your genetics now. The FBI has over 50 million DNA samples in their CODIS system. They're doing familia, what's called familia. They go back into your family now with your genetics, and this is all put into the computer system as well. It becomes part of your file. Um, what's your family's like? Are they prone to violence or whatever, this thing? And they can watch you and predict what you're going to do. They're even taking babies, by the way, genetics, their genes, and storing them now. Many hospitals you, are. So you're going to have wow. a genetic file from the day you uh, come out of the womb, basically, until so, you die. So this is not – And the government's going to have know, when, all when this. You're to, yeah. And they, they think they can predict what you're going to do, and they actually believe that, folks. In, in other words, what you're describing is not the level of debate over privacy with Griswold and birth control, you know, making birth control available in a state. This is a level that it's moved on to transhumanism. Yeah. Okay. It's literally, I, I, and, and again, in the past, I would I didn't take these people seriously. I was like, yeah, there's some lunatic professors like, and these Klaus Schwab people saying this. But after COVID, it, it's impossible not to see this because, you know, when I was in college, so... I, I, I was pretty consistent my whole life in, in terms of where I am ideologically. But one thing that has woken me up is this issue. You know, I thought the Patriot Act would did you know seem kind of innocuous to me. I was young at the time. It was in the wake of 9-11 in college. I was like, yeah, you know, okay, they're going after the terrorists. But I think what we all need to realize now is that there's been a watershed change that openly they're telling us defying covid fascism is a crime the esg stuff the carbon stuff is a crime so now a crime it's not even prima facie oh we're gonna try to at least go after the bad guys and ironically john this is occurring at a time despite this technology you're describing where crime violent crime is actually through the roof in the big cities so it's not even helping or being utilized for that when when um when they say they're going to use this stuff they're going to use it for people like you and me Oh, yeah, it's for everybody, like I'm saying. 
when uh, they show up at your door. You know, you may own a rifle, red flag gun laws, you know. Uh, Douglas Lamp, there was a guy up in Pennsylvania who was a Second Amendment advocate. Okay, the police did a search of his uh, basic uh, social media. He owned a gun. They actually went to his home and shot him through the window. He was in bed with his girlfriend. Shot him through the window as he's laying down. Um, that this this happened a couple of years ago. So this is this is new stuff. This is stuff that listen. When I was growing up as a young man, if I, if this stuff would have happened, it would have been a national disgrace. Some of this stuff we're saying happened. But with the fact of how the AI has been sold to us, how all the social media stuff's been sold to us, and um, people forget the past. This is everything. Just with uh, maybe well, you won't use the word Zoom. I use it. We zoom to the future from a Hitler or somebody like that. They were always looking for the person who didn't agree. They were always looking for the yep. person who was against. Hitler ended up killing 17 million people. Um, and he didn't have any of this technology. He didn't have the technology. If he had the technology, I mean, whoa, watch out, folks. And yep. when uh, you have countries like China that have, uh, we say we're going to go to war with China. Well, We've been working with China quite a while here. We got all this information coming into our cities. They, you know, again, China basically, in my opinion, uh, helps run the world. But listen, here's the other thing: you know, people don't know. The NSA, by the way, has their Five Eyes program. They have bases all over the world. They've basically created a worldwide surveillance system now, and uh, yeah. they work through. Uh, there's eight major cities, by the way, that have AT&T towers. If you drive by them sometimes in New York and stuff. Those are actually run by the government, and they collect information on everybody. And 75 countries are actually uh, across the globe are using artificial intelligence tools such as facial recognition surveillance. And the post office, people don't know, they have a cover program, they call it. They're opening mail. They're actually photographing all mail. Some of them are x-raying your mail. This is a, a society that is totally paranoid. But the thing is, uh, and I tell people this, when we see something like the COVID thing and all the fear and all the stuff we've seen, fear is the way you enslave people. They get afraid. And that was what the uh, one of uh, Hitler's chief generals said, the way to enslave the people is through fear. Get them afraid, create a crisis, and then we provide the solution. What's the solution? More overpowering surveillance so we make sure this doesn't happen again. Mm. And uh, that's exactly what's coming to the world. It's coming to this country very, very rapidly. And what I'm trying to get people to do is get active in their local communities, put a stop, make your schools, folks. Get down those uh, meetings, education precedes action, I keep saying, and make your school teach the Bill of Rights. Make them teach the Bill of Rights. They don't want rebels. What's a rebel? Rebel is someone who knows their rights and says, I don't think I should do that. I have the right to free speech. I have the right under the Fourth Amendment to privacy. By the way, I also have a right under the Second Amendment to own a weapon without you watching me and maybe coming to my door and shooting me because I have it. Uh, that All these are happening in America right now. And again, don't trust the mainstream media. There are good websites like ours, programs like yours. Get the right type of education. We do need one thing really important, and I've been pushing it for a long time, is electronics, uh, privacy, bill of rights. We need that. And So I, I, wanna, I really want to elaborate, elaborate on that. Um, electronics, privacy, bill of rights, because we're all about action items here. And, you know, I'm... If you don't see it now, guys, I mean, then then we're blind. I mean, obviously, yeah. we have to wake up to this. If and and, and if look, your eyes you know, for are most, blind, your mind is useless. Okay, it's useless. Yeah. So what what does that entail? Obviously, you know, everyone's excited about this. You know, upcoming midterm election, which, as I've always said, it literally is meaningless because the Republicans and Democrats are almost indistinguishable. And then even if they weren't, they'd only have the House and maybe the Senate with a narrow majority anyway. But the reality is there's a lot of supposedly red states where they have supermajority trifectas. And I, I've always encouraged people to get involved in your legislatures. Yes. What could states do? Because a lot of this is, is, is national, international, public, private, you know, fascism, private partnerships. 
what could a state do? Let's say, you know, you're you're in Florida and you want to go up to DeSantis and the state legislature there and say, hey, look, do what you did on COVID fascism, but just realize that this needs to be peeled back a layer on AI and, and, and uh, electronic digital uh, privacy. What are some of the items that would be in that Bill of Rights, let's say at a state level? Well, the key is the Fourth Amendment, number one, is the government should not be watching you unless they have probable cause. And generally, uh, again, some of these SWAT team raids you're seeing, by the way, uh, 80% of those, you go back in the 1980s, the police showed up, they had a warrant in their hand. They don't do that anymore. They just go, <laughs> flashbang grenades, and kids get shot and all that stuff. You need to start saying we're not doing any of this anymore in our local communities. That's what America was all about. It was local governments govern best. That's what's called federalism. You don't hear that term much anymore. Uh, and that the local governments should be running the United States. The thing in Washington, D.C., right by the way, and I've written on this. You can go to our website and see on this. There's been a number of studies. One that came out of uh, Harvard and uh, Northwestern, a study where money congregates in America. After several years of a detailed study, they found that most money, big money people congregate in Washington, D.C., and that Washington, D.C. is run by 585 billionaires. Folks, that's what we've called the deep state. Here's another study that was yeah. done by SMU on where do psychopaths congregate in Washington, D.C., basically. <laughs> uh, again, things I can read on, you can go to our website and see that. But here's the key. A faraway government is not going to support you. It's always going to be run by money. You're talking to a guy, I've sued the president, I've sued a lot of people, I've been in and out of Washington, D.C., very corrupt. Local governments can change things, though, and that's the point. Get involved in your local state legislatures, get involved in your local city governments. Why? What, what article of the Bill of Rights gives us that power? The Tenth Amendment, which says that local governments can nullify acts of the federal government. So you can get them out of your government, tell your police they should not be watching American citizens without, again, probable cause on their website. But, but how does that help at a federal level? In other words, obviously, and I've been calling on this for a long time, we've had sheriffs on the show, uh, sanctuary county ideas where we'd say, hey, basically the sheriffs would declare uh, we, we will not work with DHS and the FBI on monitoring, surveilling, or even going yes. after people for having not committed a crime, you know, for example, opening their business during COVID, or obviously, you know, like what we're starting to see in the UK and Norway becoming here where they show up at your door because they because you say something on social media exactly. they don't like That's or something coming. like that. But 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 okay, so let's say they all say we're not doing it. But as you mentioned, the FBI has offices everywhere and they're doing it. Yes. Um so so what are some what does an interposition bill slash political strategy look like if we take over an area and we have a sympathetic, you know, you know, a Florida type of place where they're moving in the right direction, but there's a lot more to do? Sympathetic governor, sympathetic local sheriffs and county officials, sympathetic attorney general. What are some of the other things that you could be doing to to thwart and disrupt um, the feds on Get this. involved in your government on the intimate level. And what I'm saying is, is that coming to every meeting, run for uh, city council, because that's really, really key. Get, the, like I say, enforce the Fourth Amendment in your local community. Uh, when you have pol local police and communities of 2,000 people having grenade launchers, MRAPs, which are tanks on tires, things like that, there are some, some cities now that have removed all that stuff and sent it back to the federal government, uh, which has created a standing army. George Washington said it best, we do not want a standing army on American soil. Well, we already have one, folks. And they work with the FBI and all those groups, like you say. And the FBI has a long history, by the way, of going into people's homes and threatening them with all kinds of things because they say the wrong word. And uh, if that happens to you, there are groups like us you can call. We can help you maybe get uh, involved in your community. But it's going to have to take people sitting down and uh, saying we're just going to enforce the Bill of Rights. They have to be, you have to teach the people their freedoms, because most people don't know if they have these freedoms or not anymore. They're afraid to say the wrong word now. Should you be afraid to say the wrong word? No. And that's one of the key things is free speech actually opened people's head. People need to be involved in free speech today and get out there and speak openly. I don't see much of it. Mm. I saw more, you know, in the past a few times, but... Uh, again, with COVID, we move into the dis disassociation phase where we're afraid to even get out in groups. But 
it's time to put all that crap down. If you want to, if you love your children, your grandchildren, you'll do this. You'll get involved and you'll fight this stuff. Again, there, if you go to our website, there's we have a constitution section. You can study that. You can get educated, but you can't do anything if you don't get educated on what's going on. I would take a week, folks, yeah. a couple weeks maybe, sit down and start reading some of the articles that we put out. Some of the other good other good websites out there that work on these issues. And start formulating your own bills, what you don't want to see in your community. And find out about what your government is doing. Are the local police watching everything you're doing? Should they give you the creeps? Yes. And why are they watching you? What did you do? You don't have to do anything now. Because if you yeah. voice an opinion to the government, government now, you're considered an extremist. You are automatically exactly. go on. And what are extremists? People who believe in freedom. And they don't want that. Again, I go back to the Bill of Rights thing, which is so key. We don't know our freedoms. If we don't know our freedoms, how in the world are we going to enforce them? And I would, listen, we have a Bill of Rights pamphlet. Teach your kids at home. Go to our website and get it. Teach your kids at home. What is the Bill of Rights? Are you a human being or are you just an eyeball attached to a phone? Yep. And that's yep. where no, we're I mean, this is the big to. thing. Y- yesterday, our big uh, push was you know, repeal of the PREP Act that obviously is a federal thing. Um, but, you know, today it's this electronic privacy bill of rights. I think that is very important. And like you said, you know, whether the federal courts want to read that into the Fourth Amendment or not should be immaterial to your state. Your state could could make sure to codify that at a exactly. state level and to work in ways to thwart and interpose against this federal tyranny. Final question. So that's policy, but just on an individual practical level. So you have someone like my dad that was always suspicious of this. He's like, I never set up these social media accounts. And so, you know, he's he's not on any of that. But still, I mean, the, the, the surveillance is everywhere unless you literally live under a cave. What are some – do you have any practical kind of list of ideas that people could at least make themselves less likely or a, a smaller scope of their life being exposed to the surveillance? Well, um, I think you have to be careful what you say. I have some friends that have gone on the website holding a weapon. If you do that, you're liable to get shot. You have to be wise. And But there are people out there, there are free speech activists that are not going to do that. I mean, you're talking again to a guy, I've defended hundreds of people, who said, I am not going to bend my knee to the government. I'll bend my knee to God. And it's in God I trust, not in government I trust. And they'll get out there and speak for it. And, you know, again, if you've ever heard of the Brandon Robb case, it happened about eight years ago. He was a Marine who was blasting uh, Obama and all those people on his website. A former Marine, he got pulled out of his home and put in a mental institution. Why? Because he was speaking out. And they said, oh, he's crazy. A judge ruled he was nuts. Uh, Just after a five-minute hearing, basically. We went into court, federal court, defended him, and got him out of the mental hospital. The judge said he should never have been there. But here's the crazy thing. Uh, there, at the time, we were told that 1.5 million people a year now are disappearing into psychiatric institutions based on these so-called civil commitments, where you're reported by a neighbor and the police come to your door and drag you out. That's happening across the country. That should stop you know- immediately, folks. Yes, yes. I mean, because that, that, that opens up a whole other can of worms, the... Um- the the mentally well, incompetent well, well, go, go designation. Website, read about the Brandon Rob case, and you'll see how egregious that was. But the judges were a lot of judges were putting up with it. I'm, you know, again, and judges are not going to say there is no savior in this system. Let's put it this way: the only savior in the system is we, the people of the United States, do ordain and establish this constitution. You can't comply your way out of it. You can't no. ignore your way out of it. No. You know, my my life has changed. March 2020. Until then, I was more thinking our government is corrupt, licentious, profligate, spends money, does stupid things. But we kind of felt like we were free before then, even though this was gradually building up, you know, behind plain sight. But after that, I mean, that was our first warning shot. And boy, was it a a painful warning shot that killed a lot of people, destroyed a lot of liberty, a lot of life, mental health, emotional health, developmental health of kids. And I mean, the consequences of what they did is astounding and it's still reverberating. But for us not to take seriously the next tranche and the continuation of this, both the medical tyranny, the forced vaccination, the forced public health stuff, the forced ESG, cutting off our food, fuel, I mean, all this stuff, and again, like you're saying, the linchpin to all of this is the surveillance, yes. um, because that's the enforcement of it. 
So this is really important. I encourage everyone to go to Rutherford.org. I'm so glad to make your acquaintance, a new organization, um, new person, at least in our sphere, to see our podcast. I hope this is not the first time. Really looking forward to having you back again and keep us updated on this fight. All right. Thank you, sir. God bless. So again, that was John Whitehead of the Rutherford Institute, another you know really smart, experienced person uh, who really, you know, you're not going to see on most of these shows, but he's been around for a while and has really good things to say. And that's what we're always looking for. You know, new people with sagacious insights. Um, you know, he's certainly not going to be on social media. See, typically people in my uh, position, they want people to have greater social media followings than they are t- as guests so they can get more listeners. But to me, it's about the quality of the content. And, um, you know, you think about this idea of electronic privacy bill of rights, um, about the PrEP Act and things like that and the COVID fascism and the emergency powers. That's the linchpin of the time we're living in. It's not there's too much taxes, inflation, spending. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's very much downstream and coming from that, and it's a problem. But with Republicans, they're not addressing it. This is why I keep saying how COVID is not just about COVID or even medical freedom or even your bodily autonomy, which is certainly more severe than anything Republicans are talking about. It's everything. It's the key to everything. The ESG stuff, the carbon stuff, food, fuel, whatever they're going to do to your body, your life, your liberty, your vital goods and services, your ability to survive. And then eventually, I mean, if, if we don't stop them, even this AI, AI stuff that's transhuman and, and works with your body and plants in your body, heck, maybe they'll be able to control it outside of your body without you even acceding to this. Right? This is why you look at these Republicans running for office and it's almost n- none of them are speaking to the issues. It's truly amazing. You know, there's this article here. From the New York Post, South Korea develops nanotech tattoo as health monitoring device. South Koreans may soon be able to carry a device inside their own bodies in the form of a bespoke tattoo that automatically alerts them to potential health problems if a science team's project bears fruit. And this is from the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology that they developed this electronic tattoo ink made of liquid metal and carbon nanotubes Sounds a lot like the vaccine. Who knows if it had that in there? Hooked up to an electrocardiogram device or other biosensor, it can send a readout of a patient's heart rate and other vital signs such as glucose and lactate to a monitor. And again, folks, the way they start this off is always is, you know, as as a benefit, like, hey, it's a convenience tool. But what it's really about is ultimately it will become mandatory and it will become the standard. If you think about COVID, it wasn't just about COVID and even medicine and even bodily autonomy. Everything they did, grooming you to fear emergency, government could do everything, do everything executively without a legislature. Focus on, oh, life is not like that. You could live life through the metaspheres, through Zoom, all of it. And it's shocking how everyone's like, oh, COVID's over with. And it's all a ruse. In other words, I'm happy that Americans no longer fear COVID and it's not even a top five issue. But the problem is, do they no longer fear government fear? In other words, they don't fear yesteryear's fear mongering, but they're going to come up with the new stuff. And if we don't put culturally and politically and legally um, things in place. And, you know, Steve and I are coming out with a project we're going to announce later next week. That speaks to this. Imagine if Hitler, as we talked about, had this degree of technology and this degree of public-private partnership. Well, that's the era we're living in. And imagine if Hitler weren't just one guy, but embedded in every Western democracy. See, if you have one nation-state kinetically attacking others, you're always going to have jealousy, competition, and at some point, his days were numbered. Because they're going to fight back. But what if it's synergistically a globalist agenda that unifies the entirety of Western governments working together against their people? Well, that's a different story. And that's why we need things like this. And one of the agenda items is this electronic privacy bill of rights. That we need to ban that and have criminal penalties, criminal and civil, 
penalties and a cause of action if government is caught in any way surveilling, recording, monitoring you. And we have the right to discovery, too, if there's no probable cause that you committed an actual crime. And ironically, if you think about it, we're living in a time we should have no crime. Like, at least in China, crime is very low because the same way they'll get you for violating COVID stuff, they'll get you for, you know, stealing, robbing, carjacking. You know, it's hard to carjack in China. You don't have much of it. Here, you have record carjacking. How? We have, we have technology everywhere to get people. Well, it's used against us, but not used against them because it's a hierarchy. So that's where we are with this. I'm just telling you. And we better wake up. And here this week, they're going to pass this bill. And Republicans are like, oh, it's a tax and spend bill. No, that's not the point. Believe me, I wish the only problems we had were tax spending economic. When you're creating hundreds and billions in tamping down fossil fuels and elevating green energy, it's not just a boondoggle, cronyism, stupid energy, tamping down our energy, unreliable energy, which is severe enough because we run on energy. But then they have the infrastructure, and it's in the bill, the monitoring, the government. It's all in there, too. By the way, if you look at it, it's not just the making it available and tilting the scales of the economy towards green energy. It's making it that that's de facto the game in town. In other words, just like you couldn't have COVID lockdowns and COVID fascism without the zoomology and the digital technology and the distance technology, right, all this stuff. So in order for them to fully establish ESG and carbon credits on an individual level, which they already have at a corporate level, think RINs credits with the oil, oil refineries. That's what it's like. You start off the year with a certain amount and you got to trade it. You got to compensate. You got to pay as you go. They will absolutely implement this. And Republicans will fight against it, fake fight it, and then it will happen. And they'll fake fight the next tranche while agreeing to the first tranche. By the way, it's interesting enough, Bloomberg put out a map of mapping green in America. And they actually noted that Republican congressional districts have much more green technology. That's the irony. Okay? Um... And, you know, a lot of that's because they do it in rural areas. They put up these stupid wind farms and everything. But it just demonstrates how under our own watch, as, as John was talking about, you could fight this locally. If we would fight the green machine locally, we'd be done with it. But just like you have the transgender stuff, the CRT, the COVID fascism in almost every red county and state, until finally we started in some places, now with the Santas and a few other people, not many others, that are trying to fight this, you have the green machine everywhere. Meaning you should have no government website in a Trump county pushing green energy. But you do. It's everywhere. Okay? It's even more. And, and Bloomberg News put it out. Mapping green in America, Republican districts, particularly in the Midwest, dominate in terms of U.S. clean technology projects. So we've given into this. So the point is, we have to first educate ourselves, what are our rights, and then number two, identify the biggest threats to those rights, which Republicans aren't, and it's this entire transhumanist, medical tyranny, COVID fascism, ESG, but everything it represents, the surveillance behind it, and then you got to fight it at a local level. But you look at the Republican agenda, you look at conservative talk, and they, they might touch on this glancingly as like a talking point. Oh, the Democrats are implementing ESG, or they'll talk about ESG, but they'll never actually um, push an agenda that will fight it in a way that matters. Okay? And they continue to support policies and candidates that are for this. And again, Republicans dumped $280 billion into this CHIPS bill, which half of it was giving the National Science Foundation and other similar uh, terrible, evil organizations in government billions of dollars for environmental sciences and sustainable sciences. They just passed that. Where do you think it's going to go? So this is one of the big things we're going to focus on in the coming days. Um, we have the rise of the Fourth Reich. It's not about inflation. It's not about spending. It's not about taxes. That's all true. I don't disagree with that. 
But that's not the it that's nibbling around the edges. It's the rise of the Fourth Reich, giving you a little bit of a hint of our project coming out next week. And what exactly is the Fourth Reich distinguished from the Third? Well, first you have to understand what the Third was about, what we're up against. And getting back to the beginning of the show, that's why I can't get excited about China, even though they're, they're, they're their biggest geopolitical enemy, because China already exported themselves to our government, culture, society, economy, corporations, everything. They exported their authoritarian technology. So the fight is here. And because we rotted ourselves out with it, we don't even have the ability to kinetically fight China. Meaning the war is asymmetric warfare. That's where we have to fight them. But even if you want to talk about kinetic fight over Taiwan, we don't have the ability to do that because we lost the asymmetrical warfare over the generations. So that's where it's at. We, we can't get distracted. We can't apply old strategies to today's fight. And again, I, I support fighting China. I support deterring China. I support Taiwan in a vacuum. But what are you going to do about it? This is how you fight them, by fighting the surveillance state. We can't fight China if we are China, okay? So we have to disentangle ourselves from that first, and really, that's, in my view, going to require national divorce. And then one day we could talk about geopolitical affairs. Until then, the fight is in our hearts, our minds, our body, our soul, and politically in our local communities. That's where it's at. Send me your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns for John Whitehead and our other guests. Uh, Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com is the website. Uh, the Telegram channel is C19 Truth Bombs. And uh, Daniel underscore Horowitz at Getter. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.